Hi guys, this is Vicky McLeod. This time I get to talk to Lucas Esslinger. This four times CrossFit Games athlete talks to me about how he got into the sport and his decision to leave, how it feels to stop competing and becoming a regular guy. He gives some advice for ambitious athletes about social media and tells me about what he is planning to do next. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome, Lucas Eslinger, to the Europe is Coming podcast. Um, it's after a 10-year-long career in CrossFit, you just announced in December that you're retiring from competing. I'm really glad that you've agreed to come on the podcast today as you're one of the European athletes I was hoping to get to talk to when I started this podcast. Um, but for the benefit of the listeners, let's go right back to the beginning about how you discovered the sport in the first place. How did I discover the sport? Well, um, I actually started with a YouTube video um, that I saw, like, I think it was 2010 games, Miko Solo competing there, or maybe 29 games. And then I was like, I want to do this as well. And I actually started with a friend in high school in the basement of our high school. There was like a small gym and we would just start doing CrossFit training down there. That's how it started. YouTube video and then basement in my high school. So you'd have been... 16, 17 then? No, I was uh, 18, 18 when and I started. So were you into fitness before that or is it something, was this the first thing that you really got passionate about? Well, I played soccer for a very long time and then kind of transitioned into fitness training. I had an ankle injury and that kind of forced me to stop playing soccer. But I was always like, I started doing like regular global gym training but also, also always with a big conditioning emphasis. So I would do 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off on the rowing machine already when I was 15. So this was, so the transition to CrossFit was pretty natural after that. Did you, um, as soon as you saw Miko Silo competing, did you want to compete as well? Or was it the training that attracted you? No, it was literally, I saw it and I was like, I want to be there as well. And then uh, I got started. He's quite a cool guy to follow, isn't he? He's such a hard dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, there's no emotion. He's just like a rock. Uh, he's gone softer, I yeah? think, a bit. Yeah. Sorry, Miko. <laughs> no, I had the chance to train with him uh, several times and meet him. And yeah, it, it's great. He was a great um, role model for me when I started. Really this like hard work ethic and just like get stuff done. That was really good, especially like when you're 18. Um, I think these kind of role models can really like kind of push you into the right direction. I agree. I think that it really like the mindset and the and the work ethic are vital when you're a teenager, especially if you maybe didn't have a clear direction of where you were going. It's really vital. So from the point of view of finding places to compete when you were a kid, was it hard for you to find avenues to to go down or did you quickly find a gym to train at so um actually crossfit gyms as you know are quite expensive and as an 18 year old um it's not something you can afford and at that time there was one gym called crossfit it was called crossfit zurich and 
they had three trainings a week for the American football team. And my best buddy was on the American football team and they, they got to train for free. And so we just pretended that I'm on the team as well. And that's how <laughs> I um, got my first three, four months of CrossFit kind of for free. And then later on, I think they kind of noticed and I got a, they also saw that I have some talent and I got a pretty okay deal going forward. And I could afford to, yeah, to, to stay there. So to say. What did they say? Um, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, what about your parents and your family? Did they support what you were doing or was it something that you had to do on your own? Uh, they were very supportive. In the beginning, though, that was like it was such a niche sport and so small. So like, I don't think my parents really like, okay, he's doing this. But then obviously, like once I made it to the games, like they realized, okay, this is this is really big. I mean, you're on the US TV, you're all over YouTube and Facebook TV and so on. But in the like early years, it was more like a very time-consuming hobby during like mm-hmm. a crucial time, also in terms of like academics and first jobs. And I was focusing on the sports thing. The, 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 the difficulty of training and studying at the same time is something that a lot of young athletes have to cope with. So what would your advice be for up and coming athletes who might be struggling with that now? Yeah, it's really hard. I, I, I still don't think I ever got it like perfectly right, to be honest. Um, it, it is challenging, especially if you want to do well in both things. If you mm. if you just want to be like oh, I I get a degree and but my focus is uh, is training I think you can still do really really well in in the sport but if your goal is also to have good academics and perform at the highest level it's very hard and you just have to know that this takes some sacrifice in terms of your social life your time you spend on Netflix and social media and so on uh, it's totally doable but it's all comes down to really good time management and yeah sticking to like a very like strict schedule the problem with i guess with is that to have to maintain the passion and to maintain the enthusiasm even through the hard days when maybe training's been difficult or you've had a bad grade i always we only have one exam at the end of the year at university so there was not an option to have a back grade. If you have a back grade, you don't pass the class and you have to come back the next year. Uh, so it was always like I planned my competition six, seven months in advance and really make sure I have like a month before exams or six weeks before exams. I have nothing going on and hopefully four weeks after as well. So I could kind of put more focus on one thing for some time and then try to go all in on, on school or whatever it may be. But it was really all about time management, especially um, around exams. The goal there was just to move for one hour a day or 60 minutes. And I think that's like just being consistent with training over a long time Mm. is important. I guess as well, it kind of helped you not knowing, for example, in in too far in advance when or how the season was going to pan out. There's been so many... I mean, at least this year we know quite far in advance where what, when and where things are going to be happening with the competitions. But in the past, it's been real mess for you guys. 
Well, honestly, like in the early stages, my career was still this open regional game schedule for most, like actually for most of my career. I think only the last two years of my career were with the new format where I competed at games level. Added changes make it a bit more difficult, I assume, for athletes that try to balance a life besides the sport. So if you have a job or school, just because the, the, the planning becomes nearly impossible for them. You've been crowned the fittest man in Sweet in Switzerland four times and the second fittest on three separate years. Are you still the fittest man in Switzerland? I don't think I am right now. <laughs> but yeah, did you get a certificate from the from CrossFit? To, no, to I also last wasn't year? the fittest last year. I think Adrian was the fittest. <laughs> So oh. I, I'm, I'm good. I, I, How does my, it feel to be sliding down the fit level? Uh, it's, it's like, it's a bit weird. I, I mean, I'm really competitive and yeah. it's kind of hard to accept. Like, honestly, like I'm not putting in the work that I used to in fitness, but it's still kind of hard to accept that like the, all this fitness is leaving my body, so to say. It's uh, <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I don't think I will do the Open this year or I don't think I'm going to sign up just for my for my mental sanity because mm. um, I know then I will have this itch semifinals or quarterfinals and suddenly like I get pulled back into competing. It's like I want exactly the opposite. <laughs> 29 is quite young to say that you've retired from something. It must have felt kind of strange when you wrote that Instagram post in December that you've you know, officially announced that when you using that word because to me to retiring is something that people do at the end of a long long period of time yeah for me it's more like retiring from like professional sports I like you mentioned I've I've always gone to school and I've built up this like plan a so to speak where I focused on also a lot on schools and academics and now um made the switch to like a a more normal career or take mm-hmm. that i will probably pursue for the next hopefully 30 years plus and so it was more that but it has to be said that crossfit i think it's moving really really fast on the competitive side and if you look at the the games leaderboard at the people that qualify you always have the same 10 or 15 maybe 20 names that qualify, but then the other half of the field is very volatile. It it changes from year to year. So I think five, six years at the games is actually, at least for the short history of the sport, quite, uh, yeah, quite a lot, like long stretch. And it has to be said that I started when I was 18. My first regionals was when I was 19. Uh, so the body does like for me, my body took a toll, like also mentally at some point. Um, yeah, you just like you don't have that fire anymore. It's not burning the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think you will see a lot of athletes that have built up a plan A on the side retire quite early. And I think you will see others that don't have much else in competing that hold on for much longer. I mean, when I spoke to Kristen Hogter before Christmas, she had the same, she said the same thing. It's like her brain was just she'd had like she was losing the the edge of the mentality to compete. But I mean, like physically, she's smashing it. But she's just said, "I'm just ready to stop now." And it was she had a beautiful um, 
uh, plan and, and executed it really well. Like she had, I'm going to do my last individual in Dubai, then I'm going to do a fun team one in Wadapalooza. And watching her, she looked like she was having a ball. Is, um, is, are you regretting that you haven't had an opportunity to kind of go out on the um, competition floor and actually publicly retire? I mean, it's not about publicly retiring. It, it was would have just been more for me to have like kind of like this one like event to have closure. So like, oh, I'm really done. I placed 14th or 15th at the games. Yeah, you're good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I did not get that chance. But honestly, it's fine now. It just like it gave, also gave me a chance to switch my focus quite early and. Um, focus on other stuff otherwise i would have had like oh no i need to do this one more competition and then what if i not satisfied with the outcome so now just like got career got killed by covid and i think it's it's okay mm. <laughs> and there's always benefits that come out of things like that as well as it kind of forced you to make a decision yeah so you don't have any regrets but you must have some great memories tell me about some of the, the highlights of your career, what things stick out to you when, when you're going to look back and tell your kids when you're older, when you're older about your daddy's career? Well, I, I still think, like, for me personally, the, the most special year was my, the first year I qualified for the Games. So that year I broke my ankle, I think, three or four weeks before the Open Ooh. and was basically in a cast. And back then I was working with John and Eric. Mm. I still back when Europe was coming. Now, <laughs> we're, now, now they're here. Um, so, and the, just like first overcoming this injury, like making it through the open somehow. And also that year was extremely busy with school. It was kind of like my assessment year where they kick out 50% of the 45% of the students in the class. And that also the dates of the exam were the week after regionals and just like qualifying that year, making it through all the exams, um, getting back from the broken ankle. Um, that was just like, it gave me a lot of confidence also going forward, like how much I can, yeah, like how much pressure and how much stress I can put myself through and still like be fine and come out successful mm. on the other end. So that was like, almost like unlocking the code for me to like qualify going forward. I realized, okay, this is how bad you have to want it. This is how hard you have to work. And then after that, like, yeah, I cracked the code and I basically could replicate it for the next four years. So going to the games on four separate occasions, um, this, that in itself is a huge achievement. What would you say to um, ambitious athletes who've got their eye on going to the games? I mean, what has been the code for you? Well, for me, it was to be patient, actually. It's, it's not the most comfortable thing to be patient. So it took me five years to qualify for my first games. And you always hear these stories of people qualify in their second year or just these freak athletes. And this really wasn't the case for me, but I do think this just like sticking to the plan, being patient, your time will come, at least for me, really paid out. Obviously, you can only do this if you have the time, if you can wait two or three or four years and really build that base, work on the fundamentals, build up in volume and all like all these things take time. 
and I think also this will result in a more consistent longer career if you just like if you if you're fine with okay this will take another year the games is not something you have to achieve in your second year but it's fine to go there your sixth or seventh year in the sport yeah there's always i imagine the pressure from outside people especially now that everybody's on instagram you can see everybody how they're getting on how they're lifting what their numbers are and it must be for any athlete like really difficult to stay away from comparing themselves and com- constantly competing because that's such an easy way to burn out isn't it even in the off season you're like got to do everyone every every workout's got to be a race so patience is key, huh? Yeah. Also, the, the aspect with social media is I do think it can cause a lot of insecurities in your in your fitness. You always People always post their, their hardest workout, their best lifts. And if you just consume all these highlights, you will realize like, oh, uh, I'm actually not that good. But mm. that's really not the case. And I think it's it actually might be a good thing to get off social media if you're really serious about becoming the best crossfitter i didn't manage to do this but i do think for your just for your confidence um it would be great to spend less time there don't watch all these highlights and focus on yourself the problem i think a lot of um, athletes have is that they need to have that social media channel and followers in order to be able to to, um, to get sponsors yeah but it, then there is the question for me is is your focus performance or is your focus having um small income i do i strongly believe that if you're like one of the best in the sport and you don't have a big social media following that will come later but the other mm-hmm. way around if you just like focus on oh i need as much followers as possible your performance will never be up there mm. i i'm i'm really like i really believe that that if your focus is just social media and having sponsors early I think your focus is off. What's your point of view on the development of CrossFit as a sport? How do you think it's going? It's really hard to tell. I mean, I don't have the numbers. It's This is just like the way I experience it. I think that the biggest year was the first year in Madison mm. for a sport. And since then, obviously, there was uh, this whole... Um, change of format of the games which did not help and then we had COVID so I do think like the, the there was not a lot of growth the last two or three years in the way I experienced it in the sport I hope that uh, going forward obviously that there's a bit more consistency and again like growth for the sport because at least here in Switzerland people people don't follow the games as much anymore as they used to at least the people I have around so, like I surround myself with and the people I talk to, they they don't know the athletes anymore. They don't know what events are on. And some years ago, this was, uh, they knew what was going on a lot more. Mm. Actually, I've experienced the same thing here in Mallorca. I was talking to one of my coaches the other day and uh, he couldn't name me the top five athletes. <laughs> <laughs> and he is the guy that I would always speak to about the sport before, and now he's not so. He just I'm not bothered, really. I'm not following it, and it's like the. I think that CrossFit has to do some PR work this year to really um, improve its communication and improve its image, I suppose, as well with the wider audience. Because I mean, we I love to to watch, but uh, I also think that COVID just like every like 
since all the restrictions are local, I think like communities have gone a lot more local again. So you have you might have like these local events and you have no global events to to follow or to attend as a spectator or as an athlete. So I think that's also like plays a bit into this. We did have some events here in Switzerland um, during the summer, but like there weren't like very many like big European competitions. Mm. So I do think that that is also a factor, just like that restrictions are local, people go more local again. So you won't make the effort to go to any of the semifinals as a fan, for example, this year? Exactly. Uh, me? Uh, you. Uh, me? No, no, I don't think I will, uh, I will do that. Other stuff to do. <laughs> no, it's just like uh, I enjoyed doing the sport. I enjoy like watching my friends compete at lo- local competitions, but I wouldn't just go into a stadium and uh, watch it there. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would enjoy that very much. I would much rather just be on the floor myself. The itch would start again. Yeah. <laughs> Who, apart from Mikai Salo, who inspired you during your CrossFit career? Um, so in 2013, I actually moved to San Diego for a year and trained with CrossFit Invictus there. And I had the chance to train with Josh on a Josh Bridges on a daily basis. And he mm-hmm. was also like an important role model, or actually the whole crew there was like really important to both on the athletic side, but also on the mental and mindset side and also just like yeah sticking to a strict schedule um i think josh was a really good role model he still worked in military at the time uh, but we would go in like 5 6 a.m in the morning for training and then train again after work and just like having yeah people around that work really hard and are dedicated um when i was 19 and like be surrounded with these people i think that really helped me and josh was definitely played a big role in that and who, what would you say has been the biggest um, challenge for you? What's the thing that you would struggle the most with? Well, I, I'm a bit of a go hard and try to hold on kind of guy in every aspect of my life, whether it's like in the workouts, but also outside. And I've definitely crashed and burned a few times too often I, I do think I, I got some injuries just because I was yeah going too hard for too long and I think if I could have avoided that um, I, I kind of think that held me back from like fulfilling my full potential especially the timing of, of these injuries was never right mm. two weeks before uh, four weeks before the open break your ankle two <laughs> weeks before the games this look uh, like kind of dislocate your shoulder rupture your labrum rupture these kind of things like in hindsight uh that definitely held me back so do you think you you can be held responsible for the breaking of your ankle and the rupturing of your labrum oh yeah absolutely okay what were you doing when you broke your ankle (laughs) i think it was a stress fracture i was just overtrained didn't sleep enough I, i just like yeah went too hard for too long you're getting a bit too alpha. No, not really. It's just like being young and thinking more is better. And so now you've matured and you're in a new career. Yeah. How is fitness fitting into that lifestyle? Uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's been interesting. It's So maybe I have to say, um, so I got a job back in July and 
Which so industry are you working in? I work in uh, private equity. So finance related. And I've got to yeah. say that as a Swiss person, that does seem appropriate. Yeah, it's very cliche. Yeah. <laughs> No, but also there's two sides to it. First of all, like I, I obviously work a lot, but also I, I made work my first priority. So back in school, I still would like sometimes skip a class and get a training in. And now it's just like if I train, it's very late at night or not at all or just on the weekends. And that's just like how it is. And I'm actually fine with it. It's just like you've you can feel your fitness is getting worse and worse, mm. obviously. But um, I'm also not training at a CrossFit gym anymore. So we've set up our own private gym somewhere in the city. It's like 350 square meters with 20 friends. And everyone has a their own key and you can come and go as you please. And, that sounds perfect. And that has helped a lot because I'm not tied to a class schedule. I can just go in do 45 minutes of working out and then go home and eat. So that really helped to kind of maintain some of my fitness. I think with a regular CrossFit class schedule, I would not be able to do this. So we're not going to see you re-emerging in a few years as a master. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) It's also not that far away. No, I know. (laughs) Five years. (laughs) Six years. Yeah, six years. I, I don't know. I've actually enjoyed signing up for completely different things lately. So I will do a half marathon in April. Um, oh, cool. I just I still try to have some athletic goals, but um, they're not in the CrossFit space. It's more just to challenge me and give me a reason to to train for. To get your butt off the sofa. Uh, yeah, so to say. Yeah, I don't think I'm lazy. It's it's more like. I like to have kind of like a goal and have like a bit of, yeah, have bets with my friends. They think I, they don't think I can run it sub 140. So I'll try to run it sub 140, which for me, I think is ambitious. We'll see. That is quite ambitious, isn't it, though? For anybody, any <laughs> half marathon in one hour, one hour 40. Yeah, yeah. I think that should be, it should be doable if you you're do kind of normal runner but uh, i mean i'm kind of heavy so we'll see it will be fun uh, that's the kind of thing i'm interested in right now but uh you're not tempted to try high rocks for example that would actually be kind of fun i, I mm. looked at it uh they have one scheduled in basel but then with covid it got cancelled again but the high rocks would be kind of fun yeah we did one in madrid it was it was a blast it was really yeah, fun but it it's hard fun. you have to be good at running and fast yeah, exactly. I, I thought about doing it with my brother in a team. So I think we complement each other a lot. He's a much better runner than me. Training in a team is um, for that sort of thing is good as well. And you can split the reps up how you like, apart from the running, which you both have to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it is... sounds fun. High rock sounds fun. That, that, that could be something I would like probably try going forward. It's uh, certainly getting a lot of co- uh, popularity in the CrossFit community at the moment. I mean, it's sprouting events everywhere. And there's a lot of people signing up for them. It's kind of, it's, it's a nice way of, of uh, having a different kind of goal because not everyone can do uh, chest of bar pull-ups and all the other things that you might find in a typical CrossFit competition. But Kairox means you get the opportunity to compete and um, train and you already know what the workouts are going to be. So, yeah. 
it's kind of makes it accessible to a lot more people. Yeah, it's not very skill based, which actually is kind of nice. Mm. It's also that I don't think it's very high impact, which I like as well. So, I mean, I've actually not been doing any like kipping movements for the past two years now, just so my shoulders stay in place. I think doing thousands of kipping reps a year um, in the long run is not going to, yeah, it's not going to be very pleasant. And that's why I actually try to keep it low impact from now on. So high rocks could be, yeah, high rocks actually kind of like that. Apart from having some hobby fitness marathon goals and maybe a high rocks, you're just basically working. You don't have your, your lifestyle is just regular guys. Uh, I mean, not uh, Monday. How does that that feel? (laughs) You don't like that, do you? (laughs) Uh, it's it, it's <laughs> you got me no it's a uh, it's actually i'm at peace with it um monday through fridays is just work but then on the weekends i've actually gone a lot more social than during my crossfit career i do a lot more with friends a lot more yeah outgoing than i used to be i would say in the past i would be weekends would be training and studying and mm-hmm. now i'm actually kind of having a normal weekend but uh, I do still try to not be, yeah, I still try to do things out of the ordinary a bit. Like uh, right now, um, planning to go cycle in Africa. This is something I'm really looking forward to. Or like I said, the, the marathon or we do like internal challenges here in the gyms. I still like try to do kind of the fun stuff. But yeah, it's, life is a bit more boring than it used to be. The traveling has gone down yeah. and that kind of stuff. I think is that when you when you stop doing what some of us might see as exciting traveling, and you it's uh, it must be kind of hard to accept that that's that's bits done for now. But then maybe you'll be traveling with your work eventually when everybody gets back to traveling. To be honest, like traveling for work doesn't sound as exciting compared to traveling for competition because. But it's the same thing. No, it's not because when you travel for work, we fly in the morning, you fly out in the evening, and it's oh. just a hectic day. Uh, traveling for competition was cool. You go to very special places, like let's say Iceland, and then you go get there three, four days ahead to get used to the environment. Um, you you do city trip you look at some sites and then after competition obviously you have to kind of wind down so you do another two or three days of sightseeing and uh, that i mean that kind of lifestyle is pretty unique and i don't think it's that easy to replicate it's, i think it's called vacation for normal people <laughs> yeah <laughs> what was your most favorite competition to take part in i mean you say Reykjavik, for example or waterpalooza miami you went to some cool places I really liked the Dubai competition because it was just different, like different. You go run in the sand, you bike on a, on the bike, like on a bicycle course, you have exposure to weird equipment. You do the finals in the ice rink in the Dubai mall. This was just like a really cool and special experience. And also I kind of liked the programming there. It was quite heavy, a lot of single modality stuff. Uh, which obviously like also helped me with like overall performance. So I liked it both from performance perspective, but also just like the environment was really, it was special. Mm. Well, 
congratulations, Lucas, on a on a great career. And I'm really glad that you could you can look back on it with such fond memories. And it's uh, really grateful to speak to you today. Yeah, thank you. No, I'm yeah, looking back, there's just like it's it's kind of crazy when you're like in it, you you obviously have a lot of lows in the process. Mm. And now looking back, I actually only see the highs. So <laughs> it's that's actually kind of nice. I don't know. It's it's pretty good. That's good. That's a, that's a perfect 2020 retrovision that you've got there. <laughs> hey, thank you very well, much. Thanks Vicky. very much for speaking to me. And um, I look forward to seeing your high rock scores. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know how good they will be, but I'm for sure I will do one. Do one for fun. Exactly. Do one with your brother. Exactly. What's his name? Frank. Okay, Frank and Lucas going to yeah. rock the high rocks. Yeah, he's he's very fit. I think he's fitter than me at the moment. Is he into CrossFit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does he have a key to that gym? Of course. <laughs> if he leaves his times on the whiteboard, you're in trouble. <laughs> pretty much. No, he's he's good. He's a uh, he's a uh, he works pretty hard, but he also he has a normal job, like most people in our gym. So it's it's fun and for shit talk and bro downs yeah. here <laughs> that's the best bit sometimes thank you lucas for your time it was so nice to meet you best of luck in your new career if you like listening to the europe is coming podcast please like leave us a review subscribe and share with your friends get the word out as we are growing fast until next time thanks for listening and bye bye don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.